Thanks for listening to a podcast from WSUM. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. Hello all, and welcome to another asynchronous summer recording of After Further Review. I'm Vincent Hesbrick. Alongside me, as always, is my good friend Alex Schuster. How are you doing this summer, Alex? I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Vince? Doing great. Great to be back in Madison. I know I said that last time, but the weather was... I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit too hot outside. I would completely agree. I spent maybe two minutes outside of my car when I was doing a little shopping with my little brother earlier today, and I was sweating, and it was it was just from the walk from the store out to my car, and I couldn't get that AC going fast enough. Yeah, so. that's rough. My, my grandma does not have air conditioning, so I have to like help her bring a bunch of fans oh. down from her attic every year. Oh, man. Well, anyways, there was some sports stuff to talk about, although less than usual with the Nuggets winning the championship. However, as always, we will begin with Rate My Take, where Alex and I come in pre-prepared opinions and we will share them with each other now we've had a lot of confusion trying to figure out who should go first so i brought a coin for us to flip how about if it's tails i'll go first and if it's heads you or i flip it i call it in the okay. air if it's what i have i go first if it's the opposite then you go first all right here we go heads uh it is tails so what you go first no i called heads, so you would go right oh i want to go second well, Actually, no, I'll go first. Right, I, so you, I, technically oh, you would choose. You would choose since you won the All right, I'm the electing talks. to defer because mine's okay. really long, so I don't want to. Yeah, mine won't be that long. I do feel bad because this is a conversation topic that we added for later in the show, but uh, my take for this week is that Bradley Beal to the Suns won't be a successful move for the Suns. I think they might have some exciting on-court performances between Beal, Durant, and Booker, just all excellent players, but... If we look back at what the Suns needed last year during their playoff run against the Nuggets, they needed more role players and bench depth to make it a deeper run. They were carried by Booker and Durant going superhuman to win games with Booker shooting 58% and KD shooting 48%. Um, And they just didn't have the depth or the other key pieces in that starting lineup to make it all the way. And Beal's a great scorer, but not much else. Uh, he's a good three-point shooter, 37.2%, not terrible. Um, puts up big numbers just on a middling team. Um, no real um, fantastic playoff uh, performances to really uh, note, especially as of late. And he's just uh, bad and on defense and gives low effort on defense, which is really what this team needed after trading away most of their core defensive pieces. Um, and for me, it's really just the, the same complaints that people had about Kevin Durant's uh, Nets team, where there's just only one ball and then too much money to be concentrated within three or four players on one roster. So it's nearly going to be impossible for the Suns to field a 15-man roster with the cap hit of KD, Booker, Beal, and Aiton uh, with Booker, Beal, and Durant alone being $131 million, which is yeah, uh, $3 million under the cap. So right after the league decides to move away from allowing super teams and multiple large contracts on the same team, the Suns decide to just keep <laughs> running upstream in that direction and, and double down on it, adding Beal another large contract. Which they were already in a situation with, depending on how you feel about Aiton, he is probably going to demand a little bit more money, a higher salary, as most players would want. So, I mean, if they end up 
being forced to pay him to keep him that they already were in a struggling situation to, to match with Katie Booker and Aiton. Now you add Beal in who already has a, a full supermax contract of, I think it's like $205 million that have to be paid out the next four, yeah, something four like years, that. something yep. like that. Yeah. So I, I don't see this working out at all. I think there'll be some good moments, but for the long run of a season and the wear and tear that a playoff team needs to be able to overcome. I don't think that these four players alone are going to be able to do it. And having basically no money to sign another, I mean, they, they don't even really have a starting lineup anymore. So yeah, they're, they're, these are the only four players on their roster. I yeah. Believe. Uh, I think they had, it was it ish. No, there were, there might've been someone else, but they, I think they might've yeah, already got a lot of him. offers they can extend, but mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of clickbaited you with that there, but I guess technically right now they don't really have much of a team outside of those four guys. No, not at all. They might have a fifth guy that they're expected to not pick up the option for. So that that's probably what it is. I, I don't even know the name of the player. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't know who else is going to be making their way into the starting lineup or, filling the bench for this team or how they're going to find functional players that are willing to take that. I mean, you've heard of guys taking less to to play on that team, but that that would be guys taking almost nothing, which is nearly impossible with a veteran's minimum contract. Like they, I don't know how they're going to be able to do it to get a full starting lineup and roster assembled, but I'm glad. Like, I think that's probably like the, the hardest GM job to have right now is like filling out, the rest of that together and so i just don't see a way for this to be successful alex i'm with you 100 percent on this one i understand why they made the beal trade i guess for a grade i give you the the nine out of ten because you didn't make me cry tears of joy I, during it but yeah not, not the hottest take i think a lot of people would agree with this yeah but. this was the now first of all before we get into it what a win for bradley beal i mean because he said last year the only reason that he stayed with the wizards is because no other team would pay him max money and then he winds up being able to keep his max money and go to a contender. So it worked out perfectly for him. That being said, it, it's it's not just that the Suns are going to have to basically field a team of based on minimum <laughs> players because they're not allowed to be in the buyout market either anymore since it'll be over that second level of cap. Uh, but the craziest thing to me is that they're locked into Beal and Durant for long term. And I get the idea it's like, well, I mean – we're already all in. We trade for Kevin Durant. So let's just keep going with it. But you're really banking on Bradley Beal to be that piece because I don't really know if they were to hypothetically trade him again or something that that would go over well, especially because Beal has that no trade clause in his back pocket as well. So I, I I understand why they made the move. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with it. I'm just saying that this better work for them because this is just about as big of a swing as you can have. I mean, they're they're locked in with this team, not just for this year, but probably down the road as well. In my head, it seems like the Russ addition to that Lakers team. But, I mean, they do have four guys instead of uh, two guys or three guys on that team now. But at the same time, like, at least they had, like, the rest of their roster already worked out. Like, this, this feels like the same vein of a move of just doubling down on let's get star power and that's the way to win a championship. But then it's even less thought out because they didn't realize how little like how hamstrung they're going to be from making this acquisition and I personally haven't been the biggest fan of Bradley Beal I know he puts up good numbers but I'm 
but like, for a bad team. He, exactly. I mean, like he, he's not uber efficient or anything. He's, no. I mean, he shoots the ball out, which I guess he's allowed to since his team is terrible and he's the number one. But, yeah, he hasn't really shown to be that guy. It's Like I said before, it's a big swing. I hope it turns out because it would be fun for basketball. But whoever – both need, so Durant is somewhat of a playmaker, not a big one. Beal is not much of one. Booker, he's a shooting guard, not a point guard. So whoever this point guard is going to be for them, he's going to, like, have his work cut out for him. So I'm I'm very excited to see – what minimum point guard they're able to bring in right now? I mean, maybe Chris Paul. <laughs> get, get the, I I don't know who. Yeah, part of it. The problem is the money that they're gonna be able to pay to like they they have to pay someone something and yeah. like they don't have any left. So uh, it it's gonna be interesting to see what ends up happening with that as the summer goes along. And I mean. I don't know if they, they just turn into the NBA's New Orleans Saints, but uh, <laughs> like they, because the the Saints have always been in that situation. Where the, just, the trying to manage the cap. Yeah, every exactly. Year, yeah. Where it, it just looks like there's a an article every year was like, oh, the Saints are in cap cap hell or whatever it might be, and then next and thing you know, they're always you know it's find money. Derek Carr, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, before we move on, I really think that because everyone's been saying the NBA needs a hard cap, and I really understand that to an extent. But, I mean, this is really – you're really locking teams in with the current system right now. I think that the the, the players' union might have messed up a little bit with this one because there's going to be such a, a gap between giving guys the max and then there's the the guys who are going to get the minimum. Because like, you're not going to see those middle guys. Like the Celtics, for example, they have Al Horford on that min- that middle deal. Same with Derek White and Marcus Smart. When you, If you have two max players now, it's like you don't have – you have like $50 million to field the rest of your team. So those middle-level guys are going to be – I don't want to say undervalued because they're still being paid millions of dollars to play basketball, but they're going to be making less money than they usually would. And. I, th- I think you're right with that. Um, I mean, it was kind of the right idea to just force teams to keep like they, so that you didn't have like that Durant situation or whatever it is, where like you just bring in as much money and like shift towards that baseball yeah. dynamic. But they needed to find a little bit more of a balance between that NFL just fully hard cap, where I mean. The Suns might just be the example for that team, as if they're like the owners are definitely going to want to shift towards that hard cap, where this is exactly how much money I'm going to be spending each year, like no more, no less. Oh, like yeah, that's fine. Should be like, oh darn, I'd love to spend more money on my team. Yeah, but just the excuse heck. to like close up the pocketbook after a little bit, but at the same time, like I, I think someone had to be the example to show why like this can be problematic, but at the same time, like how you avoid it uh, just by not trading for more <laughs> for for your entire salary cap within four players, but um, it'll be interesting, like I said, just to see how they maneuver that from the front front office end, and then also, I mean, as always, just interesting to see what happens actually on the court. Yeah, uh, one final thing about the CBA before I I jump on. I know I just said that before, but um, I, I saw that they're gonna in the future they're gonna let high school players join like right out of high school they can join the nba however they wanted to give it a couple of years so that way uh teams like teams that are currently have their scouts would be able to catch up to it and refocus so they're giving them a couple of years to prepare they gave zero preparation whatsoever so the warriors who are trying to re-sign a ton of people and have always have the highest payroll they just get slapped with another massive luxury tax payment 
I mean, it's I I I, th- I understand why they made this new CBA, and there's certainly some benefits to it, but I think they should have given them a year to prepare for this kind of stuff. For sure, I I am not an expert on how the CBA works, but it definitely seems like from players, fans, and front office members, there are already a number of complaints about it, and this might just be something that we see immediately reversed in the future. Yeah, but well, I think, uh, I don't know if this will be re- reversed, reversed like, but... Corrected, next, maybe. Yeah, I'm very interested to see what the next one will look like after this one. For sure. All right, well, that, that was that was a really good one. I really like yeah. that, Alex. Thank uh, you. I'm going to jump to my... I'll be honest, this isn't as much of a take as is a research project. I am known for doing these uh, occasionally, usually about my hatred towards certain baseball aspects, and this one is no different. Uh, so I want to talk about the loudest I've ever yelled at TV watching sports was when Giannis uh, dunked over Chris Paul in the finals, like basically win them game five. Except the second loudest is what I'm going to talk about right here. It was August 22nd, 2022, bottom of the second. The Dodgers have men on first and second with two outs. With Gavin Lux batting, he hits a line drive base hit to left field. And the third base coach, Dino Ebel, sends the runner from second home, which is a terrible idea for two ideas. First of all, the runner is Justin Turner, who is 37 years old and very slow. He's actually so slow that despite being a third baseman, he's in the bottom 8% of players in terms of speed. Uh, The second reason is that the ball landed right in front of the left fielder, so much so that by the time that Turner steps on third, the left fielder is already beginning his throw home. Terrible decision. So why would he do this decision? Because the left fielder is... Christian Yelich. We're going to talk about him again. Uh, Christian Yelich is a notoriously terrible left fielder. However, in this instance, he made a perfect dead-on throw to nab Turner at the plate and get the third out. And I, it was so unbelievable to see it. Seeing Christian Yelich make a great throw is like seeing Bigfoot high-five the Loch Ness Monster. It's just unbelievable. I was running around my living room like crazy, and I think that that was the low point for me as a Christian Yelich fanboy because – the play. The only reason there's a chance at a play is because of Yelich's shortcomings. It's a play that any player should make. However, because it was him and his struggles, I basically flipped out. And they wound up winning that game in part because of that throw, but it was unbelievable. Now, I said Christian Yelich is a bad fielder, but I should probably elaborate on that. I'm going to try and explain it without numbers and with numbers. So starting with the former, after that very game, Yelich said that he knew the Dodgers were going to send Turner home because, quote, I don't think anyone has ever held anyone when I'm out there. So he's aware of his own shortcomings. Uh, another spot or another tidbit, the corner outfielder is considered to be the second least valuable defensive position, which is like with catcher and shortstop being the first and second, which is why partially why Yelich plays out there. Uh, however, Yelich was struggling so much that the report st- stating that the Brewers were considering moving him to first base, which is the least valuable defensive position. So the team has showed or knows that he struggles. And finally, because there were so few regular left fielders last year, somehow Yelich qualified for the Gold Glove Award last year. And it was so funny to see. Usually when get someone's nominated for Gold Glove, it's because it's like a sign that they're a great fielder. But if you were to click on the comment section underneath that article, it was just people of all walks of life coming together to roast Christian Yelich. Uh, here's a, an article written about the Gold Glove nomination I found. Here's a quote from it. It says, There are probably few Brewers fans who would refer to Yelich as a defensive mastermind, even if you took his below-average showing harm out of the equation in context of this award. 
most would probably describe his fielding as average at best. And this is like an official article about the nomination. Not only that, the article is from reviewingthecrew.com. It's a Brewers website, and they still couldn't help but roast Christian Yelich's fielding. Um, now I'll jump into the nerdy statistical stuff. So there's a website called Baseball Savant that tracks all sorts of different uh, factors of baseball players. That's how I got my uh, Justin Turner's in the 8th percentile of speed. They track outfield Outfielder jump, the time it takes a player to track where the ball is going. Yelich was in the bottom 1% of baseball in that department. His average showing speed was 81.8 miles per hour, which ranked 127th of 131 qualified outfielders. And there's a stat called defensive war, which basically takes every single facet of a player's defense. I don't even want to describe it, mostly because I don't know what it is. Also because it would take eight hours. Basically, it says Yelich is the 185th best defender of 199 qualified players. Now, I've been watching just about every single Brewer game this year, and I'm seeing Yelich making some somewhat impressive catches out there and tracking some downs. Like, you know what? I'm going to see how he's doing this year. So I found that in that stat, the defensive war, he now, out of 30 left fielders, ranks second. He has completely turned it around. Not only that, I looked into his throwing ability. He uncorked this year a 95-mile-an-hour throw earlier, which, for context, his second fastest one was 88 miles an hour last year. It's just been an unbelievable turnaround and a complete shock to me. So we talked about before, I guess I had to throw a take on it. Um, we talked months and months ago about how Brooke Lopez has completely changed his game from like a rebounding post guy to a – spread the floor three-point shooter and i said i've never seen someone trans go from the worst at something to the so good at something with three-pointer well this will be my new addition somehow in the period of one off season christian yelich completely turned his defense around so i want to give him a, a round of applause for that that just blew my mind when i saw that, that, that oh it's coming from you all right yep i i gotta clap it up for him i mean i almost made a joke at the beginning about oh is he gonna win a Golden Globe. I didn't want to cut you off because you're, you're rolling there. Oh, I love the you journey you took me on there. I mean, the take in there, I, it's, can you repeat it again for me? Just I don't the, have a take. Oh, I, just I, to, I think well, this, I you can, well, the, the story is a solid, a solid seven at, at least. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I can't believe someone could turn it around like that. I mean, you also talked about wanting to see him like turn up the hitting numbers and his great uh, spring performance, uh, but he did the complete opposite from what you said. So uh, maybe encourage him to work on his defense and he'll go over to the batting a little bit more. Well, I'm fun- funny you brought that up. Uh, this is actually Yelich's best year since uh, his injury. And in the month of June, because we, we were basically, I don't say making fun of him, but he had one total hit against a curveball in the first uh, like two weeks of the season. And now in June, he's hitting 333. He's getting on base uh, close to 50% of the time, and he's been a slugging machine. So he's been legitimately one of the hottest players in baseball in June. So On both ends, too. Yeah, so. I know. So we were saying before that it was going to be a team like, well, we'll see if the younger players can come in and make up for Yelich slacking. But it's been the exact opposite. The younger players have been struggling. Uh, the second baseman got sent back to the minors, and here's Christian Yelich arising like the phoenix from the ashes to regain his title as Brewers' best hitter. So. Uh, as a Yelich fanboy, I'm loving it. I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. 
any shot of him making the home run derby this year? Oh, definitely not. Uh, okay. the, the power is unfortunately gone. However, he's a legitimate all-star candidate, which okay. is I – mean, he probably won't get it, but it, it just – I'm so hoping that I've never wanted anyone to win an award more than I want Christian Yelich to win a gold glove this year just because the jokes would be amazing. Like I go back to that post where they're showing the gold glove people, and then there's players who had unbelievable defensive seasons, but you just go to the comments and it's like shows pictures of, I think it's like a dog in an empty swimming pool with like goggles on with the caption, he's not built for this, and it's like Christian Yelich seeing his notification. Oh. So how good – like de- defensively, how many players have won a Golden Glove and then also put up ridiculous hitting numbers in the same season? Is it usually one or the other, or is it possible to have both here? Uh, there's been some both ways. Some actually happened this year where uh, the the Braves catcher, oh gosh, he's on my fantasy team. This is so embarrassing. But he's number one for like defensive statistics, and he's number one for offensive. Really yeah. cool. And then, yeah, you talk about uh, we talked about Ken Griffey Jr. earlier this year. He had had some unbelievable seasons in center. So, yeah, it's it's cool to see. I mean, because Barry Bonds, when he went out as big, like the stretcher, his head grew twice in size. He was taking so many steroids. He was not much of a fielder. I yeah. mean, it's hard to. I mean, you have that big of a head, it'll just take you right over the exactly. wall. <laughs> if it falls over the head, you can just, like, puff out his cheeks and it'll float up in the air and make the catch. That, that would be interesting to see if it worked. I mean, I wonder no, it if wouldn't. it – I want. I wonder if that, like, increase, like, messed up, like, his running at all, like, his balance at all. Oh, yeah, he used all. to be like, really fast, but now he's, like, he, I mean, gosh, I wish I was alive to see that because the amount of different stuff and injections he had and, oh, I mean, credit to him, though. He had the greatest season in baseball history, but he was, I mean, I don't even want to know what his blood concentration was made up of. Oh, goodness. Well, with that, why don't we jump it to, uh, what are we calling it, Badger Sports Update, right? Uh, uh, I think so, yeah. yeah we'll call yeah, it a I'm, better I'm, name. I'm, but do- there hasn't been a ton of uh, Badger sports news this summer. I saw the uh, football, basketball, and volleyball have nabbed a couple of recruits and transfers, which is really cool. However, the big thing from a more personal level is that student season tickets were out, what was that, last week? Uh, yes, or yeah, last couple week. days ago. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. It, it was for, at least for uh, upperclassmen. Last week, Monday was the the release date yeah. for those. And it is chaos. I've only been here one or two years now, but I know it's crazy. And you're a, you, you've experienced the the craziness four years. So technically, only three oh, because COVID. Yep, yeah, COVID took my my freshman year. But yeah, just re- to give context, why don't you walk me through? Because you said you had a, a story for how you got tickets this year. Like what you have to try and do to give yourself a shot at tickets. So they give you an email of when a rough estimate of when tickets are going to be go, or not even rough estimate the the date and time that tickets are posted, and you got to look based on how many credits you have if you're classified as an upperclassman or an uh, underclassmen and I, my first or my sophomore year, technically had enough credits to be classified as an upperclassman. But, um, was not aware of that until it came time to buy football tickets, and I missed the date because I was prepared for the underclassmen one. So oh. I went on there, got all the way through, and they told me that I missed my day, so they wouldn't let me in or wouldn't let me purchase them. Um, and then last year, I I was locked in. I w- I wasn't gonna let that happen again. So I wrote the time down on my calendar and set as many notifications as possible to keep me updated on when that was going to happen. 
and then I at, it starts at uh, 7.30 is when the official yeah, window the opens, but you can go on there at 7 o'clock, and if you get in there earlier, I think it does give you a slight advantage because both times I've gotten uh, tickets, I, I turned on my computer at like 6.40, 6.30, and was sitting in there, and it I, I was able to get like onto the loading screen and it just had like a countdown for it. So uh, I was at work, and I took my computer and set it up like in the back and uh, just left it there. Nice. And then at from 7.30 to 8.30, uh, I, I did absolutely no work. I was just standing in front of my computer watching that just little watching walking little man. Bar, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the, the way it works is it shows like a, a loading bar or how close you are to the end. It shows a literal guy walking as the loading bar. So it was just a bunch of college kids walked in, seeing this little stick figure slowly jog in place to the other side of the screen. And it's quite the journey. I actually, I was texting a friend. He's like, well, where are you in the spot? I'm about halfway through. He's like, okay, so are you under the part of the message that says tickets are non-refundable? It's like, oh, so that now we're doing it like this to try and track where it is of what words above it, <laughs> the stick man's what, what letter you're under. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's how I was doing it, but I found, like, I don't know. What the saying is, but it's like, oh, like when you're milking a cow, you you don't watch the bucket because it, it fills up slower. It's like the the general idea of it. I wish I I knew the saying yeah, well, for it, but I, I, I know what you're getting at. It's like uh, you look at the time and yeah, slower. Uh, so I found that it was best when I would just like try and distract myself by looking away from my computer for as lo- long as possible <laughs> in, in increments, and I I I feel like I it moved the most when I was looking away. So I would just stay looking away for as long as possible. And then I find like when it was right at that last one, I was like, all right, I'm just going to look away for a full three minutes and like make this final push. I have no idea how long I was sitting on that, like through screen, but I was so scared. I wasn't going to get in, That's So funny. but it, if it worked, yeah, so try that. that. That's my, my big tip for you. Just don't look at your computer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just laughing. Cause like, you're, you're like, you're treating this like as real advice. Oh <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, Hey, if it worked for me, it might yeah, work for you. There you go. It, it's a pretty funny because I didn't know you got season tickets. Uh, we have the big WSM group chat where all the seniors were very bummed out because a lot of them missed out on season tickets all three years, which is tragic. But I like how, like, does anyone know anyone who didn't get season tickets? And I said, no. And then you lurking in the shadows. I got them. Well, Good I, on you. I, I didn't want to, like, rub it oh, yeah, in people's yeah. faces. You made the right call. But let me say it on our radio show then instead. Yeah, Boom. it's not like I would listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. I got a... Not not as good of a season ticket story, but still a, a solid one. Uh, I, I my my dad's friend. I wish I knew their names. Uh, they they basically told me that you can hook up multiple devices to the queue. Like you use just your laptop, right? Yeah, just my laptop. Yeah. So the first day as a freshman, I had my phone. We had a tablet. I had a laptop. I had a desktop, and I had multiple. We we got a, a new TV that's like you can like click on it. So I had that hooked up to as well. And I had the PlayStation on the same TV also hooked up to it. So I had like six different devices surrounded around me and they're on different, I, the TV's in the basement, the computer was up top. So I spent like the whole half hour, like running up and down the stairs. And the one that got it wound up being the PlayStation. So I had to try and type in all the stuff with the PlayStation remote. Oh my goodness. It, it's awesome. It's, Cause I usually sleep in until like nine. If I got nothing going on during summer, nine is generous, maybe 10. But when, when tickets are on, I am up and at them at six 30, ready to go. That was the best thing about having, I technically had to start work at, at six o'clock, but I knew that it was football ticket day. So yeah. I, I told my boss, I, I'm not going to be 
like I'm I'm doing the tickets. Like we're we're <laughs> we're going for the tickets here. Like I know in the long term I probably would regret if I didn't get them and wasted all this time, but if I get them, it's worth it and couldn't get couldn't get mad at me. I got the tickets and yeah, well, I got all my work done. Yeah, so glad it worked out for you. A lot of my friends didn't wind up getting them. So congratulations. I, you and I, we lucked out. I wonder what percentage of students actually yes. end up getting them. I think that yeah. would be like one of the most interesting they should things release to see. That. That'd yeah, be interesting information. Well, I, I'm guessing it's like below fifty percent, so people wouldn't want to know that and be like, "Oh my gosh!" So most of your students just don't end up getting football tickets. Like, you got to do something about this. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, why don't we jump ahead to that? Was a great talk. That's so yeah. fun. <laughs> uh, we'll jump to likes and dislikes. We watch a lot of sports. We see a lot of stuff. We just want to take an opportunity to talk about some of it. So I see you're listed first on here, Alex. I am, and that is because. The U.S. men's national team uh, put on a clinic against Mexico and Canada, taking down Mexico uh, 3-0 in the semifinal, and then Canada 2-0 in the final to win the CONCACAF uh, Nations League finals. Have absolutely no idea what that means. It's just uh, some random cool. North American tournament. Yeah. But um, the the team has looked amazing. I mean, they are a very young and very talented team with probably the most promising future this in the history of uh men's national team or men international men's soccer uh especially for the United States which i mean year after year has always just been a history of disappointment um <laughs> so it's exciting uh to see this happening especially coming off that uh world cup i mean we had the the tie against england and uh a, a few decent games in there, but uh, just absolutely owning Mexico and then taking down Canada as well. Just always good to see that against uh, international rivals t- as well. Um, so yeah. very exciting to see. I mean, Mexico and Canada are not necessarily known for their football. Well, Mexico is. Mexico is. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's good to be known as the – I mean, there's not a lot of countries in North America. Does Latin America count as North America? Uh, they are – I think they are. It's like um, – from both the Americas, I think all, okay, all the teams I see. can compete in that, yeah. All right, well, I'm glad we can reign over our neighbors. It, it's always a good feeling. So. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to my dislike, uh, I, I've seen so many posts of two years ago today from highlights from the Bucks 2021 playoff run. And the highlights, I, I mean, I love watching. I'll watch a, a Giannis chase down block or oh, yeah. True Holiday, alley-oop, or any of it, just all day long. But it seeing two years ago today makes me like I can't believe how fast the time went by for that one, and like it feels like that was just like just yesterday, and like the Bucks oh, yeah. are still reigning champions in the NBA. But like you just forget how fast like time moves, and like I mean we're old, we're old news now. Like yeah. we we were the two years removed from a championship now, so a little bit disappointing to see that. But at the same time, I mean love those highlights. So I guess it's kind of we got to find a way to. At least for most of mine, for my likes and dislikes, I feel like it's a, there's a like and a dislike in both of mine. So I, yeah, we got to find a way to balance that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's probably deeper because I was actually I have a um a playlist called uh, the greatest highlights or something dumb like that where I just post all my favorite sports highlights so I can go back and watch them. I was watching Game Seven between uh, the Nets and the Bucks, which was pretty bonkers, especially overtime. Actually, the whole thing was bonkers. Start like, to finish, one yeah, of the best I, games. Yeah, I was looking at the comments, and I was like, wait, two years ago? Yeah. yeah. Crazy. I mean, time. Just Every keep, year is yeah. getting shorter. Never seem to find the time. Nope. 
Oh, with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just go to the next very one. Very <laughs> quick. Just Yeah, we, we can just pass it over to you. Oh, oh yeah. Jeez, yeah, I, I don't know how to read. Come on. All right, well, I don't have a, a ton of stuff here. We, I'm very excited for our next segment. But talking about the Bucks a little more, it looks like we are going to run it back. Obviously, none of this is official, but I see an ESPN article talking about how the league basically expects that Chris Middleton will be back on a, I believe it's a uh, four-year, $130 million deal. So that'd be a pay cut from what he's currently making. Um, it said that basically he's, I, if they said if he were to decline his $40 million player option, he would be expected to get this deal from the Bucks. So, I mean, I, we'll go into it f- a little bit, but also it looks like the same will be the case for Brooke Lopez, obviously, once again, nothing official, just the, the Rockets were the big team trying to get him, but the official Rockets uh, beat reporter for The Athletic said, quote, I think it's closer to a pipe dream because the Bucks have expressed an intent to re-sign him. He makes a lot of sense for that core. The Rockets understand the reality, but blah, 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 blah. He's not going to go there because he likes Milwaukee a lot. So I, I'm pretty cool with this because we've really, I mean, the, the big three of uh, Giannis, Drew, and Chris technically have not lost a playoff series when together and healthy. So I, my one of my least favorite things about basketball media is that as soon as your team loses, it's like, well, can you afford to bring this team back for another year? They just lost. But it's, it really doesn't do dividends just to judging an entire season off of a seven-game playoff series. I feel like that just bring the same team back, make a couple of minor adjustments. I don't see anything wrong with it for a team that came so close like the Bucks. I would completely agree with that, especially when you think like, oh, uh, the overreaction on Monday after the like oh, yeah. the game just happens, like oh they they have to blow it up, they have to get rid of all these players. When that's the narrative, you're not getting the same value for these players. Like if you were, were to trade Chris Middleton right now, I doubt you're getting the same value we could have gotten like two three years ago. So if we didn't think the core was going to work then, that's when you make the move when they're at their most valuable not way down the line when everyone's already seen like you kind of already showed your hand it's not working out like fine we'll like we see him as an asset but we're we're, like doing you a favor by taking him away we we want it like you want to sell high so yeah uh i am i'm happy that they're running a bag like you said haven't lost a playoff series when they're healthy um and Giannis getting hurt five minutes into the playoffs this year, like I, I think that changes everything for our team. Yeah, we, I, I still we don't made think a coaching adjustment too, but still, it's a bummer. That I, I'm not gonna pretend like oh, if that didn't happen, we would have won. But I think there, we would have a better shot against the Nuggets than the Heat would have. I think. Well, there's. I think it would have been very difficult, but yeah. And from a fan standpoint, it's like yeah, we probably wouldn't have if I had to bet money. The Nuggets teams were legit. Yeah, but just from a fan standpoint, it would have been nice to watch more Bucks playoff games. Hundred percent. Because we only got to see. Well, there were a lot of. I don't want to say entertaining because that was more gut wrenching than entertaining. But we got to see one fun game where we nuked them in game two. But the rest of it was Chinese water torture. I guess. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It was it, very painful to watch that and then also try and motivate myself to run it back again next year but at the same time like I know when we're 20 games into the season 
and the the team's rolling again, I'm not going to have any regrets. So yeah, and I know that the Middleton decision will probably or resigning him is going to be like, what you're paying this guy that much? And I do understand that. No, but my my dad personally despises Chris Middleton, which is fair. You get, well, he gets hurt a lot. Is, and is the, inconsistency. And he some games. Yeah. yeah, but it's the way I see it. It's there's not many true guys out there who you can just plug in and he can give you. I'll just be generous, say 18 points a game. Because you could say, well, the Bucks could let him go and then maybe get another guy. But the key word there is maybe, where you have a good to great chance to win the championship next year, bringing it back. And then you you don't want to risk that to maybe have a slightly better chance of getting someone else in free agency. And we don't, there isn't even anyone better in free agency. Or people, uh, I, I really don't believe it's actual serious conversations, but I've heard the Bucks thrown in with, Dame, Beal, yeah. contenders. Well, but supposedly I, we had an offer out there for Beal, but it wasn't a real one. Yeah, I, I'm assuming that that's like pennies on the dollar type thing. Like if you really just want to get rid of them, like sure, we'll give you like a couple assets and like see what happens here. But like it, I'm assuming that was a low ball offer. Um, yeah. Well, it looks like Beal was the one who chose which uh, what team he wanted to go to. Okay. I don't. I mean, maybe the Bucks they would have thrown in. Drew Holiday just to make salaries work, which I think would have been a terrible move. Oh, 100%. So I'm I'm completely cool with the state of the Bucks. Yes, I wish that they didn't lose to the eight seed in the first round, but you can be in way worse spots as a franchise than where the Bucks are right now. And if you're going to make that move, I hate making it for Beal. Like oh, if yeah. You, you have to get, like, Dame is maybe, and even then I think I would still need to be talked into it just yeah. as, like, Having only those two players, like I, I don't necessarily see it working out, especially when you have to like build around them moving forward in Milwaukee. Yeah, it's things get a little more like difficult. The sun suddenly, yeah. So I I like our position. I want to like keep and just build as many valuable assets as possible, and hopefully attract through free agency and drafting, and maybe if we can find like another move like that, uh, Drew Holiday trade where it just kind of worked out perfectly for us, like just stealing a great player like that from the Pelicans. So, I don't know. Uh, Bucks, interesting position to be in next year. I, I have a lot of faith in them to be back up at, as a, a true contender again right off the, the oh, jump next year. It'll definitely be in the so. thick of it in the East, barring disaster. Yeah. Yep. But, Excited to when that starts, which I'm realizing now isn't for another long five, time. Yeah. Aye, aye. Uh, well, I guess I'll jump to my dislike then. Uh Sports commissioners are not necessarily the most popular people. Roger Goodell certainly has his critics, fairly so, as does Adam Silver. However, uh, what Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner, is doing right now is really, it grinds my gears to say it. And he's been, I don't want to say inept, but he's had some questionable decisions in the past. Uh, Remember the Astros sign-stealing thing? And so what they did is they offered the Astros players – they said they wouldn't suspend him if they went along with the investigation. Like, oh, okay. And then they're like, well, this guy, this guy, this guy did it. And then it winds up that the guys who had this whole system and were cool with it and using it wind up not getting punished whatsoever from it. Um, also, there is, in response, people say, well, should you maybe like take away the trophy from that? And you could say, well, he could have given a better answer. But instead he said, well, it's just a piece of metal. It's like, wait, what? You're the commissioner of sports? You're saying it doesn't matter that much if you win the championship? Uh, that's a whole different thing. Clearly, I got an axe to grind, but uh, I'm especially salty because of 
what's been going on with the Brewers right now. The Brewers, um, I the they're in stage one of relocation panic right now, is how I would put it. Uh, Manfred uh, about a month ago, a couple of weeks, went to American Family Field and said that the facility needs to be repaired and that uh, the lawmakers better get on this right now or else the brewers could head elsewhere and he said oh they don't want the brewers to wind up like oakland which is i mean i mean american family feels pretty cool i understand i'm not gonna from what i see as a fan who's gone to four games this year it's a little it's not amazing but i'd say it looks pretty nice what i don't get is he says supposedly he's like foundational stuff it's like show us some pictures and stuff i mean get if you're gonna be throwing accusations out there at least get the fans on your side like wait a minute there's a crack in the foundation. I'm not going here. We got to fix this because if you make the fans feel like that, they're it's unsafe being there. You'll probably get a lot more support. I Ugh. I hate this more than anything. Like I I feel like it's like one of the most wasteful things we do as a society, especially within sports, of like the desire to have the newest and flashiest stadium. Yeah, like Pfizer Forum is amazing, and I love it. And like it's nice having a new stadium, and like but like the history of Lambeau Field, like, I wouldn't want to okay, get a no new stadium. Like, is Lambeau very different because of, like, the, the length of time that we've had it for. But, like, I don't think that every single team in every single state needs a new stadium every 10 years or whatever, whatever it may be. Like, you got to, like, you should be building, planning them to last you for the long haul, especially when it's a multi-billion dollar investment. And then you just have it sitting there as just a big hunk of concrete yeah that that bugs me just as much as like the commissioner saying like threatening to drive this the team out of your city oh my goodness i guess uh, there was a meeting for relocation about the athletics because they got just got approved for 300 million taxpayer dollars to head to vegas uh and i guess at the meeting was mark atanasio who is the brewer's owner so i guess he's trying to get some the chips in that one, uh, r- really a shame because I understand you know renovations is a thing, but they want three hundred billion dollars, which is more than what the Brewers initially paid to build the stadium. So, I mean, I, I, I I'm not a construction expert, but come on. Uh, adding to before we jump into our next segment, I do want to add that the the A's had that we talked about um, how they're going to have a reverse boycott where they basically try and buy a ton of tickets and show hey we're still a fan base here. It's the owner who stinks. And they wound up getting a little over 27,000 people, which was, I think, more than triple their usual attendance. It was really cool to see, especially because the A's wound up winning. They beat the first-place Rays 2-1, uh, to one, and they had all sorts of, I guess, s- supposedly they couldn't show any footage of the crowd during the game because it was all, like, signs saying sell the team and stuff. So they had to use, like, stock footage of A's fans from other games. Um Really cool, though, and the commissioner's response to it, let me pull up my notes to ask what he thought about, and he said very sarcastically, it was great. It's great to see what is this year almost an average Major League Baseball crowd in the facility for one night. That's a great thing. Ugh. Now, I I understand that, yes, it was a less than average total crowd. However, a couple things to that. Uh, first of all, it's very close to average. <laughs> it's, but the big thing, th- this wasn't a marquee Saturday night game. This was a Tuesday night in uh, – it was a late game. But the big thing is I was looking at ticket prices to sit all the way up top in terrace seats all the way up. Um, I think Brewers, they, they've had events that spend like $6 before. 
You want to take a guess how much they are for athletics? I know whenever I guess it, you get it perfect. I just like the fun of it. 15. 15. 30. 30 bucks for all the way up to see one of the worst teams in baseball. Uh, right next, it's $380 to sit right behind home plate. Not right behind in that section. That Everything's crazy. Second row is, uh, I have it pulled up here. Oh, my goodness. It's it's $50 to sit second row in the outfield. So they got a almost average crowd to pay ridiculous prices to show up and watch a bad team in the worst stadium in sports. I'd say that's pretty impressive. Especially when they're leaving, it sounds like one of the best money grabs they've ever had of just, oh, yeah, sure, let's take your last pennies before we walk out of town. <laughs> yeah, I do understand that standpoint, like we're going to protest by giving the owner more money. It's like I, I think they, they spoke their point. Everyone is on uh, the fans' side in this one, as they usually are, and no one's too thrilled with the commissioner, which is always the case. But Why doesn't Vegas just do an expansion team if they really want baseball in Las Vegas so bad? Couldn't tell you. I don't know. It's probably tough for you. I think you have to pay a fee for expansion. Oh, uh, yeah. But, yeah. And then you got to do, like, the redraft and everything. Like, I know hockey is okay with doing it just because smaller sport and having yeah. that like expansion like helps the league but it, it definitely is a confusing process where like you could just have it, a new team and then like suddenly the team that drafted you like three years ago is like oh now yep. another team just drafted <laughs> you all over again Whoops. yeah well, i guess this is kind of turned into a rant but it's certainly a bummer to see i i'm, I'm more cheering for uh oakland because this could eventually become a reality for my favorite professional team the brewers i'm just hoping that doesn't happen well why don't we jump to our our, our new segment here um not, not a ton's going on in the sports world right now it's outside of baseball which alex does not follow which i completely agree with baseball is very boring uh so we decided that a lot of crazy stuff has gone on in the past with sports so you and i we've each done a research in both of our cases, the day of, <laughs> and found an interesting story from sports to share. So I'm going first, right? Because uh, yeah, first. Okay. yeah, we'll let you go first. Yeah. yeah. So let me take you to June 4th, 1974, in everyone's favorite town that rhymes with Dreveland. It is Cleveland. Uh, in the 70s, Cleveland was just beginning to have its economic downturn that led to it eventually. I mean, I don't want to hate on the city, but it's it's not doing very well right now. And there's a ton of workers being laid off, and uh, the Indians were not getting very high attendance whatsoever. So there's been a lot of weird stadium promotions over the years. The Brewers actually just had a free mullet day uh, promotion because one of the Brewers players grew a mullet and then started hitting really well, so they were giving away free mullets at the games. Uh, however, Cleveland decided to take this a step further by offering 10-cent beer night. Um, and now 10 cents probably seems like a bit more. That's the equivalent of 50 cents. Just imagine if Wisconsin people could pay 50 cents for beer. I think right now it's like $8 at brewery games. So very, very cheap. And on top of this, six days earlier, the Indians played the Texas Rangers, who they play on this night, and a massive brawl broke out. After the game, a Cleveland reporter asked the Rangers manager, Billy Martin, who is notoriously crazy, I'll get into that, they asked him, are you going to take your armor to Cleveland and, like, you're going to get ready for a fight? And Martin said, no, they won't have enough fans there to worry about. So he's basically f- putting fuel onto this fire. And, of course, all the Cleveland talk shows are saying, oh, I can't believe Billy Martin would do this. While we're talking about Martin, he would go on to manage until 1988, where he's basically left a trail of wreckage behind him everywhere he went, even though he did win a, a World Series with the Yankees. 
Um, 11 years later, in 1985, Martin would try to fight his own pitcher, ultimately leading to him getting kicked in the groin and taken to the emergency room. Uh, I found so many more stories about him. Uh, he's he's fought other players. One of his players actually won the IL because of getting beat up by his own manager. <laughs> but this is just one of the many things, just to set the stage of the kind of guy we're dealing with. So... On the day of the game, 25,134 fans arrived, which is reportedly twice the amount that they expected. And you take a city that's currently on economic downturn, really cheap to get in, really cheap beer. You knew this was a disaster waiting to happen. The Rangers took an early 5-1 to one lead. However, it, things quickly fell apart. Hundreds of fans were setting off fireworks in the stands. <laughs> they weren't... I don't know how I'm going to get through this without laughing the whole time. They weren't always pointed upwards. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So they were going up in all directions. There were numerous streakers on the field. One, a guy wearing no clothes. Oh, goodness. He slid into second base with no clothes on, on dirt. So I'm sure that didn't feel very good. Uh, so they tried to limit the amount of beer by saying that you could only buy six beers per purchase. However, that doesn't stop you from buying six beers, going to the back of the line, and getting six more beers. So basically it was... It was basically an infinite amount. Now, what happened halfway through is the they had to, they had beer trucks out in the parking lot. And they had to bring the beer inside the stadium. However, the the beer demand was so high they couldn't get the beer to the people in time. <laughs> so what the people the the Indians of uh, stadium staff did is they brought the beer trucks into the stadium and just like lined them up so like, people could get it straight from there. However, they. I think at each beer truck they only had two uh, 18-year-old girls to, like, manage it. So the crowd, the, the wait got long, and people basically surged forward through the table back, and the girls rightfully got out of the way. And then suddenly 10-cent beer night became free beer night because there were just a bunch of people <laughs> sitting around a beer truck. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to edit this. No, leave it. Leave it all. <laughs> this is so good. So it, it gets way better. Uh, Cleveland would rally in the bottom of the ninth and tie the game at five. However, at this point, uh, a fan tried to steal the hat of Jeff Burrow. He was a left fielder for the Rangers. Burrow tried to confront him, and he tripped and fell. Uh, and the Rangers dugout saw their teammate fall, and they thought that he was being attacked. So this manager, Billy Martin, <laughs> he's literally, he told his team, <laughs> oh, my gosh. He said, let's get him. It took out the entire stadium. Well, they, they took bats and ran onto the field to try and protect their teammate. However, oh my goodness, I'm I'm gonna have to actually do some editing. Um, so people saw them run on the field. Some of the fans who had made weapons. <laughs> they all ran onto the field, and so the Rangers got to, like, protecting themselves. <laughs> As fans with weapons. <laughs> so the two teams were um, the Indians and the Rangers hate each other. They were just a rivalry. However, the uh, the Indians saw that the other team was in trouble, so they had their team come out and bring bats <laughs> to protect their opponents. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god there's someone listening who's just not laughing at all what year was this <laughs> 1974 uh 
so it's funny. I saw somebody that it was like the big thing would be with the two the two teams hate each other so much, but one with the teams protecting each other like a ring <laughs> against the fans. Um, oh my gosh, I'm crying. Basically, what wound up happening was they helped the Rangers players er, get off the field, and then the the riot kept going. Um, every single base was stolen. A reporter tried to interview fans to be gave up after he got punched three times, and. I guess the riot went on for 20 minutes until a riot crew came in and got everyone out of there. Uh, <laughs> and beer night was not their best idea, I guess. Oh, my gosh. I wonder how well a 10-cent beer night would go over at oh the Kohl Center. It, it's crazy. I can only imagine if you combined the current economic climate of Cleveland with a 10-cent beer night, which, which would be the equivalent of 50 cents now, I said. So, oh my gosh. Uh, uh, so the Madison <sighs> Capitals have a dollar beer night um, on Fridays, at, like once a month during the season. And those games get incredibly rowdy. For really? Very. Like, those, it's their highest it? attendance. Yes, it's the highest attendance and, like, just completely flooded. Like, they have an entire, like, bleachers filled with the student section of just... Like, they bust the people up from Madison. Wow. So you can go to the game and bust them back. And, like, I mean, it, good for them. Are there, like, limits on how much beer you can have? I'm not 100% sure. I don't think so. I think it's just a dollar, like, dollar beers. And Wow. Well, I mean, people aren't as crazy. I mean, everyone says, like, oh, in, these, in this day and age, I can't believe this stuff that's going on. Things People don't realize how bonkers stuff used to be. I mean, like, I wish I'd go back to the good old days. Like, you know, like in 1800s, people were going across the entire country in a covered wagon and dying of typhoid fever. I mean, we've got it pretty good right now. They were literally playing the Oregon Trail, like, yeah. in, in yeah, real that life. That was what I thought of. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right, well, why don't – I actually got to catch my breath a little here. Why don't you go ahead with your story? I'm, I'm very excited. So uh, for my story time, I, I did a little bit of a – a dive into one of the most notorious locker room incidents of all time, uh, the J.R. Smith soup incident. I have not heard of this. So, in you at all? No. Are you, I, I'm not kidding you. I'm no excited to hear it. M- maybe I'll know when. Okay. So that. on March 1st in 2018, um, well. J.R. Smith was on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Also, yeah. a Cleveland story here. Oh my gosh. Uh, he was suspended one game for throwing a bowl of soup on assistant coach Damon Jones. Uh, the, he, the report came out that he suspended one game for throwing a, a bowl of soup on an assistant coach. The social media went ablaze from this. They were just, <laughs> everyone wanted to know what happened. Like, was this a joke? Was this like a typo? Was it like, what happened? Like, how do you throw soup at someone <laughs> and so there's just a whole slew of questions everyone to know nba fans they're just any pick a sport if you're a fan and you pay attention to this you you are incredibly curious about it i can't believe i didn't hear this i so, I, I got into basketball in like 2019 so clearly i missed out on some great stuff yeah <laughs> but th- like this incident was one of like the funniest things i've seen for like social media moments and uh so the incident left J.R. Smith to be suspended for one game, and uh, years in the years since then, both sides have come out and spoken on the incident. Um, and I mean, the fans had so many questions, like, 
uh, what caused the incident? Was the soup hot? Was it a whole bowl of soup or just the soup? What kind of soup, most importantly? I mean, everyone needs to know this. So uh, in the five years after this historical events, both sides have spoken out uh, with Damon Jones clarifying four major points uh, that J.R. Smith did apologize afterwards, that the soup was in fact hot. It was the first bowl of soup. Oh, so it was like scolding hot. It was in like the team cafeteria. He had gotten the first bowl of soup out of the container uh, and... Like, this is a uh, sorry. Let, let me let me uh, back up. This was from 2019. Uh, Damon Jones was clarifying yeah. some points about this. Uh, so the, the J.R. Smith did apologize. The soup was very hot, um, and that he did throw the entire bowl, not just the soup. It was bowl and all chucked at him, and that there was a very awkward tension between the two of them for a couple months after this incident. Understandably so. I mean, emotionally traumatizing when a man throws a bowl of soup at you. I so funny. can never look at them the same afterwards. Like they, it was not even joking. Like in 2019, he came out and said that like it fractured their relationship basically because he threw <laughs> soup at them. It was like, I, to me, that's like bizarre. Like you'd think it's like, Oh, like, he stole my girl or like sort of like didn't like pay a gambling better like whatever like something like something yeah. like that it was like no he threw soup at me like <laughs> it's so funny oh well, my gosh so uh from jr smith's point of view uh which recently he went on uh the old man in the three podcast uh jj reddick and uh he uh talked about the incident uh saying that uh like backing up most of the statements of uh damon jones uh also clarifying that uh, the assistant coach used to play too much and uh, had a habit of messing with him and the other players and that on this day he had just walked into the lunchroom, uh, gotten himself a bowl of chicken and tortilla soup and uh, the first bowl, it was fresh, it was hot. Coach came over, played, messed with him, like pretending like he was going to smack the soup out of his hand. Then J.R. Smith took a second, paused, looked at his soup, looked at Damon Jones and decided that he had been playing with him too much and that he needed a lesson on uh, why not to mess with people that don't want to be messed with. Exactly. And so he proceeded to chuck the entire bowl of soup at Damon Jones, uh, burning him and also making him laugh is the fact that he realized that, yes, he is like actively yelling about the soup, land, like splattering on him. Uh, again, was suspended uh, for one game due to throwing a bowl of soup on an assistant coach and just one of the all-time greatest headlines of being suspended one game for throwing a bowl of soup at an assistant coach. I mean, this was, and I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but if it was in March first, that's kind of leading up to a playoff run there. Oh yeah. And so, if we think back to other instances that happened during that uh, 2018 playoff run, I think uh, that was the game one where oh, yeah, J.R. Smith right. had a little <laughs> another incident. So I, I I don't know, maybe one thing what leads to another, you, you, you throw a bowl of soup at your coach, you forget the score. And I mean, I don't, yeah, I mean, 2018 was a wild time for J.R. Smith. Just That's crazy. Throwing soup at people and forgetting the score in the middle of the most important basketball <laughs> game of your life. Wow. Uh, a couple questions. 
do we know what kind of soup it was? Uh, chicken tortilla. Oh, oh, right. You said his that. favorite soup at the time. So he was willing to sacrifice his favorite soup. He played too much. Yeah. <laughs> there, I you, would you, recommend listening to, to like the clip of him explaining the entire oh, story. It is so it, it it's funny. I mean, if you like, you can look up J.R. Smith soup incident, and there will be numerous stories all about J.R. Smith and this bowl of soup that he threw in Damon Jones. <laughs> That's amazing. There's there's so many <laughs> sports incidents. Uh, real quick, you said he was laughing while being burnt with the soup. Oh, so he was laughing at uh, Damon Jones, like he was like oh. saying, like he was like, uh, he. I'm pretty sure he just didn't regret his decision, and yeah. that uh, seeing him get burned by the soup was gave him a little bit of satisfaction for like all the moments that he had messed with him in the past. And I think. He also added that after that moment, he didn't mess with him anymore. So in his mind, I think it worked. So, <laughs> I thought that it was Damon Jones who was laughing. Like, oh, no, no, no. He was like, I'm Smith currently was. getting burned by this soup, but my goodness, this guy just threw soup at me. It's <laughs> no. the funniest thing ever. No, Damon Jones was freaking out because he's getting burned by scalding hot soup. But <laughs> please, wow. just, just one of the funniest things I've, I've ever seen. I mean, like, it, there was a good probably a year before anyone spoke out about it. So it was like a very big, a large subject of conversation for the public, especially NBA fans. Like they wanted to know what happened with this bowl of soup. What kind of soup was it? Like what what happened? And then finally, like you found out that it really just, it's to me it sounds like just an overreaction. Like he was like, didn't, there was absolutely no reason for him to actually throw a bowl of soup at him. He could have oh, just yeah. said, hey man, just stop messing with me. But do we know what Bull. Damon Jones was doing to the players? I think uh, it was just like a habit of like playing games with them or like whatever, like taunting him a little bit, like the 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 friend that gets up in your face and like bumping your shoulders, like yeah. hey, come on, man, or whatever, like yeah, doing his I, little thing, and like that's a great analogy. It, it, it I can understand why it would be a little bit much. I've met people like that, but I have never had the urge to throw a bowl of soup on them. So any <laughs> food for that man? Yeah. Wow, um, what, what an amazing story. I'm just saying, there's no way that coach is doing that stuff to LeBron James. Oh, not at all. No but chance. When J.R. Smith and whatever, like C.D. Osmond. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just because like, he thought that he'd be the second in command behind Ty Lue on the team uh, as a coach, when he sees that he's actually like third or fourth on command behind the GM, Ty Lue and LeBron James, and he's got like, he's picking on the other guys, <laughs> and now he's below J.R. Smith, too. <laughs> I mean, that is so funny. Just getting hit with a bowl of soup. Yeah, well, that's the funny. Can you think of a funnier food that could have been used there? Because it's so funny because it creates so many more questions. I think spaghetti would have been really <laughs> good. Also, that similar reason, but it's just a little bit more solid to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a bowl of soup is fantastic. Like that was just the weirdest selection you could choose to throw at somebody. And I mean. Now people throw cans of soup, but a bowl of soup like that yeah, was exactly that was. I mean, it was just in his hands, and I think it was a little bit of like a snap reaction. But in his description of the events, he says that he thought about it and decided that yes, he needed to throw this bowl of soup yeah. at him. So I mean, that was probably an, certainly an overreaction. Oh, hundred percent. To be fair, everyone's got that point where it's like if if you keep messing with me enough. I remember there was a point in middle school where my my friend kept um. 
he just kept like tapping me on the other shoulder and like looked the other way. And I felt someone do that once, and I turned around and like swather him like knock it off, idiot. But it was my gym teacher who did oh. that, and not my friend. But but she was awesome, and she understood what I was doing. But I mean, I, I did not get suspended, thankfully, from gymnastics. But the, no one game suspension for yeah. you. I wish I could have got a one game suspension for square dance. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, we've got a, a couple final topics here, if you want a quick run through them. Um, we're, we're just about reaching the end of this one, but r- we got a couple rapid-fire topics to quick bring up. Yeah. Uh, so the d- do you want to go NBA stuff? Yeah, or, sure. Let's, uh, let's so, do it. Yeah, the, the Nuggets won the NBA Finals. Uh, they did? Beating the Heat in five games. Uh, kind of, honestly, kind of a disappointing uh, Finals ending for me. Just The Heat really didn't put up that great of a fight it seemed like especially down the stretch like they it, at the end of that last game fives it, it seemed like the nuggets were a little bit nervous and the heat kind of had chance after chance to to keep in the fight and win that game and have another chance back at home but they just couldn't get it done and jimmy butler and uh i can't remember who else took the other shots at the end of the game but just talking chucking yeah, up Max death, Drew struggled yeah. a lot um, there was, it, to me, it was just desperation heave shots where it was like, oh, if this goes in, like, that would be sweet. But, like, they didn't really put much thought, thought into it at all. It was, like, just hoping to get lucky and cash a, a forced three. Oh, yeah, or in Jimmy Butler's case, hoping to, to flail around and draw a foul. Uh, I, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy at all, but the call where he tried the three and then, like, kicked his leg out and then kicked Aaron Gordon in the family jewels. And then Gordon winds up getting a, a foul for it. it had me, like, After they reviewed it yes, for, like, five, yes. ten minutes. Because I understood, like, my dad was like, how can they do that? It's, I mean, you got to think something's going on. Like, well, I mean, they're going to review it. I mean, maybe in the moment he didn't see it. And then Mark Jackson is saying, well, this could be, make this an offensive flagrant foul for kicking him. And then it's like, the call is confirmed. And I was just dumbstruck. And they it's not like it was just like, oh, quick, couple seconds. Like, they watched it over and over again on the broadcast. So, like, I don't know how many times they must have been reviewing it courtside. Yeah. And I'm not 100% sure, but I think the rumor is Scott Foster was the one making that call there. So, um, oh, I mean. Everyone's favorite. Yeah. that. What an amazing nickname to be called the extender as a ref because you make series longer. It, it I mean, that. It clearly has been his personal goal to involve himself in the game in that way. <laughs> so I, I think it's an accomplishment for him. Well, what, I th- what I thought was so funny is that they were taking so long, to your point of the review, and I, I was like, why is it taking so long? So long? I thought, well, maybe they got to assign a foul maybe to Butler, and they got to figure out when the clock was, who gets the ball out of bounds, where, and then they just all have to say, nope, nothing's changing. Yeah, that one of the most bizarre moments. I mean, I... If I was a Heat fan, it would be hard to be like truly, truly upset about it because you were down three-one, and that is a long way to climb back. Yeah, and then also getting like those other, or uh, excuse me, a Nuggets fan like you are still up three-one, and like if you lose the game that way, like you can be frustrated, but at the same time, like you already won the series, so like it's kind of just swept under the rug. But I do think that was like one. That that is definitely up there for just questionable, like and obviously questionable, refing decisions in yeah. recent years, especially during a playoff moment. Like as those build up, it, it like that it's just another one to go in that collection. Oh yeah, yeah. It's and I think a big reason why it wasn't talked about more is that the Nuggets wound up winning the game. 
Uh, it almost reminds me of when the I, I was at the Packer game where Clay Matthews had the roughing the passer call, which I mean, would have been a game winning interception. Uh, and people were cheering so loud that Alexander Jair Alexander, who was a rookie, wind up coming away with a game winning interception that no one knew like what the call was. So somebody just see like first down and the Vikings are, and it wind up being so publicized because it wind up being a tie. But there's been. And in my opinion, worse roughing the passer calls over the years. However, because it was a call in that spot and it wound up affecting the outcome of the game, it got much more spotlight. So I'm sure you can chalk this one up to one of the, the hidden gems of the terrible refereeing world. I think, I mean, I know I gave my take about the uh, Formula One being like just the absolute refs in the world. Oh, and like bad. The, one of the worst refing decisions. But the NFL substitute referees... I think we got to put in there because this was something else I thought about when you were doing your rate my take, talking about like the the loudest you've yelled ever yelled at a TV. The I should say in happiness, I've definitely yelled more over losses. Yeah, over that Seattle uh, catching the the guy who intercepted the ball for the touchdown. Uh, I don't remember what year that was. I want to say it was like 2014 or something like that. Like you talking about the fail Mary? Yep. I just looked it up. September 24, 2012. Oh, 2012. Okay, but that I think both beats like the hardest I've ever yelled at a TV at uh, at that moment for sure I mean now just based on being older and physically more capable to yell louder I would yep. I would beat that moment but, but we're in our yelling prime right now a hundred percent so I mean my loudest I've ever yelled at my TV will be coming sometime in the next couple of years which is kind of exciting to think about honestly it just made me realize that what an iconic image of one ref signaling touchdown and one ref signaling interception that I remember seeing that on like all over social media the next day. The you next were on day, social media in 2012. I think so. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I was on Instagram. Man. I think, or maybe it was ESPN. Just seeing it on the TV. I Probably hope was. So. Yeah. But that was just one of like, it's hard to think of a call that was more blatantly wrong than that one. Hate to see it. Yeah. Well. Um, a couple more topics here. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about more about the, the Bradley Beal deal. And what I thought was so crazy about it was that way earlier in the year, we did a worst contracts draft. And I thought it was a great idea until I realized that we it was basically stolen from Bill Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think uh, Bradley Beal might have been our first pick in that draft of worst uh, contract you least want to have. And yet the Wizards get rid of it and get some picks in return. And the, the big takeaway is... Like I can't believe that they got fleeced like this. So I think I almost have to reevaluate the way that I view contracts in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, no matter how much money is behind the player, like how talented do you really think they are? And yeah, like, especially, can you play? Yeah, I I think that's fair. I I think whoever ends up getting the star, people instantly assume they won the trade the next day. When this could end up being just the absolute worst basketball team ever assembled for <laughs> either end, and you'll have people saying, "Oh, they got." So, I mean, I'm already saying that the Suns lost this trade, and everyone else, I'm assuming, is saying that that they won that trade. So, like, you'll have people willing to take either side, and a couple months down the line, we'll find out. But I'd be more willing to believe. I mean, the Wizards are still going to be a terrible team, so it's hard to win this deal really unless you like chris paul revives himself all over again or something <laughs> i don't, i don't really see a, like their win for them is just getting this off their books yeah yeah i 
I, I completely agree. Um, I mean, the, the the big stupid thing was like that because yeah, you give him the max deal and you wind up getting stuff in return. But why would you give him the no trade clause? Is yeah. what I don't get because that's coming with him to Phoenix now. So not only does it lower his value, as in he gets to choose where he wants to go, now it further lowers his value because the team that takes him on also gets the no trade clause. I, that, I mean, what what a terrible decision. I, I think that's the only no trade clause currently in NBA contracts. Uh, I'm not sure. I shouldn't have said that so confidently. Yeah, I th- I think I'm fairly sure. I have no idea. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. All right, well, we got uh, one more topic on here for... Uh, I, I, yeah, let's just do John Morant Morant suspension. Uh, He he received a suspension for 25 games uh, in this upcoming season uh, based on uh, just off-the-court kind of character issues and uh, flashing guns on social media. They were, I mean, IG Live, and then all of a sudden John Morant, who has a history of... Weapons problem suddenly popping up with a, another weapon, which he claims was a, a toy gun, which... I mean, come uh, on. Well, okay, I mean, and th- there's no proof that's not, but that almost makes it worse, I feel like, because the whole thing was that the NBA was saying, look, you, I mean, you, you're one of our more marketable stars we ever had. You have the highlights and stuff, so you can't be embarrassing us like this. you got to take this seriously, This the, the weapon stuff that's going on. And then he had this statement, or he did his... Marketing team had to like I, I deeply apologize and work on myself X Y Z P D Q. It's completely AI. Yeah, and then just to come back with this and show a complete utter disregard for it, it's it, it's not. I mean, because <laughs> he had the diss track and the video of him also with the gun, so it, it just yeah. doubling down on it. And I mean, I you you can't help but feel bad for him, like someone that's in such a promising situation that I, I think almost anyone in the world would want to trade places with them for like a place in the NBA like that and then just really like blowing it like well I'd almost think of it as uh who was the guy who fumbled the onside kick for the Packers in 2014 Brian Bostic I think so yeah it's like because like yeah you feel bad that he messed up but your first result or your first instinctual reaction is what are you doing why are you doing that and i think it goes for this we're like yeah it's, i'm bummed he can't get it figured out he's an awesome player to watch but what are you doing it's, ah. i mean we talked about ben simmons uh how uh it's the, the joke was oh you could pay me 130 million dollars to learn how to shoot a basketball you could pay me 200 million dollars to not flash a gun on ig live <laughs> that is a great way of putting yeah. it Oh goodness! Do you have any final thoughts before we uh, call her uh, call it a show? Um, no, just thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back in a, another couple of weeks here. Uh, hopefully, we get some more interesting uh, sports news, oh, we definitely conversation will. topics, uh, historical stories, uh, maybe an, an, a ten cent beer night somewhere. They did another one, just so you know. Oh, after really? That one. Yeah. How I didn't find as much information, but they managed to get 44,000 fans instead of a 25. Okay. I want to get into that, but I was laughing so hard that I I, <laughs> I want to hear about that. Oh, man. Well, I guess a uh, good way to close it out. This was after further review, a summer asynchronous edition. We are in the WSUM studio. Have yourself a very nice day.